This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back, friends. We're so glad that you've joined us today for our podcast. Uh, John, always good to talk with you. Good to see you on Zoom here. How's it going? How's your week been? It's good to see you, Jalen. My week has been pretty good. You know, right now in California, or at least in the Bay Area, our COVID numbers have been going up. So it's been interesting navigating, having to stay at home, but also doing ministry at the same time. Uh, but one of the the unique or interesting things that's been going on at our church um, just today, or yesterday, actually, we started this basically a local short-term mission trip. Now we've invited people from all over the Bay Area to come to our church and in partnership with this health clinic called Healing Grove. And they're partnering with Healing Grove to help people process these rent assistant applications. And so basically the government has allotted a certain amount of money. And for people in the Bay Area, if you're struggling to make rent, uh, if you're under a certain income, um, you can apply for these things, but the applications are super tedious. It's hard to do. Oftentimes people that they don't speak English or they're, you know, it's just hard for them to to finish the application themselves. And so for the next like couple of weeks, they're using our church as one of the locations where people can come in, get help finishing these applications. Oftentimes they, they have to have people call the landlords, get paperwork, all sorts of different things. And so it's, it's actually been a really cool way to see our church uh, really love our community and love the people that are in our neighborhoods and our areas and seeing church members come out and, and do this. And it's, you know, I guess it's not an easy decision because they have to interact with people from the community. They have to be at the church building and and we are under technically like a shelter or not even a shelter in place order. It's a stay at home order right now. And so, yeah, it's been cool to just see people giving of their time and their energy, like, you know, seven, eight hours a day for two weeks straight to do this. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting because it feels like this is the most people I've seen on the church property since I've gotten here. Um, on a regular basis, but it's exciting. It feels like church being church and that that's a good thing. How about you? How are, how are things going? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I just as you said, I think that is definitely the church being the church. And I love that it's happening even in the midst of COVID numbers going up because I think it's so easy for us as churches to just kind of focus inward during this time and just say, hey, like, what are we doing? How do we get through this? What are the, you know, are there programs that we can keep afloat? You know, how do we keep our services going? And it just becomes so even more so just all about our own people and we forget to be on mission, right? And so I love that you guys are doing that. That's really cool. Uh, so in our household, we are dealing with some pests. Uh, we've had some mice in the house. Oh and no! So that's been kind of yeah. That's been really frustrating um, and stressful. And Jenny's been having a hard time sleeping at night. And so we had an exterminator come out. And so I we found out that we had like a mutual connection and found out that he actually uh, had 
a desire to go into youth ministry and still kind of does. And so it's kind of kind of cool to talk with him. And and he was just talking about how he felt that God called him to, to youth ministry and still still feels that calling, but also recognizes that what he's doing now is a ministry. And so uh, it was really encouraging to hear that and just kind of fun to bump into somebody who randomly, because we have mice, you know, is 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 pursuing ministry stuff. And uh, anyways, eventful in, in a couple of different ways there. So that's kind of the, the update on our front. Yeah. I'm curious what the correlation is between ending the lives of mice and working with young people. If there is a connection there, I don't know. There oh, there be. actually is, but we're not going <laughs> to talk about that. That's true. <laughs> but what we are going to talk about is having a guest on uh, Barry Jin, who is the pastor, the English pastor at Living Water Evangelical Church it's out here in Naperville, Illinois. Uh, before getting into ministry, he was a mechanical engineer for a few years. And then when he went to seminary, he actually started the English ministry at Plano Chinese Alliance Church. Uh, and then more recently in 2013, he became the English pastor at Living Water Evangelical Church. And so we're really excited that he's here. He's got uh, a lot of history, obviously, in Chinese churches. And so, Barry, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Barry, it's it's awesome to have you on. You've told us that you regularly listen to the podcast, so we're really glad that sure do. You, know, you tune in each week with us. So thank you for that. Jalen kind of briefly laid out like a timeline of your ministry journey, but I was wondering if you could share a little bit more in depth of your own story and how God has led you into different churches, different places, and and ultimately uh, the call that he's given to you to go into full-time ministry. What was that like? Yeah, well, uh, I I grew up in the church, I think like you guys did. It's Chinese Christian Union Church. You know, it's great to be able to hang out with some of the homies here. Um, But I grew up, yeah, uh, wanting the Chinese American dream, basically. Uh, Growing up in, you know, suburb of Chicago, just wanted to have, you know, grow up and have a big house, a beautiful wife and 2.3 children who wore glasses and played violin or piano and wanted to be doctors or would at least marry someone who was a doctor. And so I went to MIT and and uh, and I went there because, you know, I thought if I went there, I could make a lot more money. You know, uh, in fact, John, your dad wrote one of my recommendations for MIT. That's how I got in there. And so, you know, I wanted to be uh, an aeronautical engineer because that was at the high end of the pay scale for engineers. And the last thing I wanted to be was a pastor or a missionary because they weren't even on the pay scale. <laughs> so, uh, Got out to Boston, uh, got involved with the Boston Chinese Evangelical Church in Boston. And that's where I w- was introduced to and really started to love conductive Bible study. You know, and really just fell in love with the scriptures as we just went into the uh, Bible studies and studied various books of the Bible. And so I just really started to get into church life then uh, as a college student. And then a really big turning point for me was my sophomore year when I was uh, interning at a company in Los Angeles. While I was out there, I wanted to visit a church uh, that this pastor was pastoring at. His name was Greg Yang, and he uh, came to our church in, in, in Chicago a couple of times to preach, and man, his preaching was dynamic, and, and you know, he was an English-speaking pastor that, wow, I mean, he was just really was dynamic, and so I, I just wanted to hear him speak again. So that Sunday, I was going to go visit his church. I couldn't because I was doing something at the church I was attending, and that Sunday, Pastor Greg Yang got shot and killed during the middle of the worship service there. And man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I mean, one seeing a pastor get shot in the, or having a pastor shot in the middle of a service is crazy. But I just remember sitting in my apartment that night, reeling over what had happened, and I was asking God, you know, I mean, there's a big need for in Chinese churches for English-speaking pastors in the United States, and now one of the best was gone. And so, who's going to carry on this ministry to the American-born Chinese in America? 
And I said, well, not me. I'm like, God, you got to raise up people to do this. But that night, I just got this strong impression that I was going to go into the ministry. I don't know. I don't know if it was a voice or if it was a bad burrito or what, but I mean, I just had this sense I'm going into the ministry. And I fought that like crazy. Okay. I rationalized it. I, I, I fought against it, but that, that desire just continued to grow as I continued to serve my college fellowship and church. And Pastor Steve Chen, he was the English pastor at the Boston Chinese Evangelical Church. Uh, he was a really big influence on me, uh, just getting to know him and you know, hearing him preach and being under his leadership. And I, I always say that if it wasn't for Pastor Steve, I would still be a rich engineer living in California. And actually, I'm still in the process of forgiving Pastor Steve um, about that. Anyway, but again, your dad, John, uh, was also a strong influence on me because whenever I came home from school, I'd spend some time with him. And just his encouraging and pastoral heart was something that I always admired. And man, as, as he ministered to me, I said, man, I, I, I really want to emulate his spirit. Even if I thought I was never going to go into the ministry, I just really was touched by his care. But by senior year in college, God had turned me around and, and I came into my senior year, thinking, I really want to someday serve the Lord as an English pastor in a Chinese church. And so I told my parents, who I thought were going to kill me after spending all that money at college, but uh, actually they were very supportive. And uh, I was so surprised and thankful for that. My mom suggested that I take five years to work uh, to help pay off some of my college debts, <laughs> as well as to just get some real world experience and confirm this sense of calling. I thought that was good advice. So I did. I, uh, I said, I'm going to give it five years. And I worked for a huge aircraft company, uh, also known as Huge Air Crash. That's what we called it. Uh, and I got involved with the Chinese church out there to confirm that sense of calling and can just continue to grow in my love for ministry. And so after those five years, I quit my engineering job and uh, enrolled at Dallas Seminary because that's where Pastor Steve went. And so that's why I went there. And then while I was there, I got connected with the Plano Chinese Alliance Church, which at that time was a very small Chinese church that was planted a few years before I got there. You know, so I, I served there, kind of like interned there and just helped out while I was going to seminary. And then when I was going into my, uh, was about to graduate, they offered me a position. And so, you know, since I felt really called to that church and just really enjoyed working with the, with the youth there, I, I said, yes, I didn't even know what they were going to pay me. I just said, yes, I, I feel called here. And so uh, later on, I found out what they were going to pay me. And it was exactly half the salary I was making as an engineer. You know how we, us Chinese have this term double happiness? Well, this was half happiness, okay? <laughs> but God provided, you know, and, and I served there for about, about 20 years, which includes my seminary years there. And so I just really loved being a part of that. And I thought I'd never leave Texas. I just loved being in Texas and, and serving that church. But then after those 20 years, you know, I sensed uh, that God was saying that my, my work there was done. And so uh, I came up here to Naperville to serve as an English adult pastor at the Living Water Evangelical Church. And I've been there for about eight years. And it's funny because, you know, I said I'd never be a pastor. I said I'd never leave Texas. I said I'd never come back to Chicago. And now I say I'll never become a billionaire because you got to work the system right. That's how God brought me to where I am now. And uh, still a lot to learn and grow in, but you know, I never looked back. You know, I remember when I was working as an engineer for those five years, I asked myself, could I do this for another 30 years? I thought, there's no way. I just, I, I think I died. God did not make me to be an engineer. But, you know, as I've been pastoring, you know, when I started serving and, and I, I asked myself, could I do this another 30 years? I sure could. I, I always feel like I could do this for the next 30 years. And so I think God has brought me to where he always wanted me to go. I just fought it for the longest time, but finally came around. Yeah, I really appreciate that story. And what I am encouraged by is your your willingness to follow the Lord, even though you may have had different plans 
And what I'm struck by too is just the influence that that pastors had on your life, right? You mentioned Pastor Greg and Pastor Steve and John's dad, Pastor Josiah. And it's amazing to think that God puts these people in our lives just at the right moment to give us the words that we need to hear so that we would hopefully follow and obey what the Lord calls us to do. And so I think that's a great testimony. Obviously, as you've shared, you've been in, you grew up in the Chinese church, you've served in ministry for a long time, and you hope to serve in, in, in Chinese churches for a long time. In your experience, how have you seen English ministries evolve and change over the last few decades? Yeah, I remember, you know, when I uh, was a lot younger, and that's when I think English ministries in Chinese churches started to come around, you know, and there are actually ABCs who are thinking of going into the ministry, but I think the English congregations usually started out with being the youth of the, of the people in the Chinese congregation. And so it's kind of like being at the kids table, you know, um, they, they, they eat the food and then they go play while the adults do all the work and they clean up and stuff like that. But then, you know, as the kids grow up that they, you know, especially in the Chinese church, you know, they, they want to have more responsibility. They want more say. And then a lot of times they're still back then they were still kind of, I guess, suppressed, you know, uh, and, and that brought a lot of resentment in a lot of these, these adults now who are, you know, youth who were adults now and, and not being able to have a say and stuff like that. And I've heard a lot of these horror stories of the conflicts between the Chinese and the English congregations. And so, you know, when I went into the ministry, I had pretty low expectations of how I would be treated and how the English congregation would treat, be treated. I think when I was starting in there, I, I just had the sense that the English co congregation was kind of second class. But I think, you know, that's changed a lot. You know, around the time I was going to seminary, there was one Chinese church that was known for chewing up its pastors and spitting them out. And so they let go of their English pastor, um, despite 90% of the English congregation supporting him. But, you know, so they, they, they felt they had no say and stuff like that. And so th that was a you know, terrible time for that church. And then one of my friends was thinking about serving there as their next English pastor. <laughs> and my thought was, if anyone could help transform that church, it would be him. But at the same time, I, I was kind of scared for him. But now over 20 years later, he's still there. And it's just neat to see that, that they have changed quite a bit. And, and his work with them had changed quite a bit as well. And seeing that congregation now doing well. And, you know, I've seen many more English congregations becoming more and more established in general and appreciated more by the Chinese congregation. I think there was that silent exodus, I think around around maybe the 90s or something like that, where a lot of the youth were leaving the Chinese church. And that was a big wake up call for a lot of these churches. And, you know, the churches I've been to as, as a pastor, you know, the Chinese congregation really wants folks from the English congregation to be in leadership. And I've been really thankful for that, their attitude towards the English congregation. And, you know, I've always, I'm glad that I've served as a pastor in English congregation friendly churches. I've never felt that oppression or that secondary class status. You know, I always felt there's a lot of support for me and the English congregation's ministries that we were equal partners. Uh, even if we were the smaller congregation, they would still see us as equal partners and, and really wanted to emphasize having a strong English ministry. Do you feel like uh, in that time that the challenges that the Chinese church, especially the English congregation has faced, has shifted or changed? Like you said in, you know, in the 90s, I think, or maybe even early 2000s, there was this exodus of young English speaking Chinese believers from the Chinese church. And so that was, that's definitely a challenge, but has that, has that changed now, you know, 20 years later? I think in my experience, it has. I mean, I think the challenge though now is I think there's a trend towards being more multi-ethnic. So a lot of people aren't leaving the Chinese church so much because they're 
they're unhappy there. I think we're seeing a lot more leaving because they just want to have more ability to, to share the gospel with their friends and coworkers and, and bring them to church. And I think that's, that's what I've really still trying to figure out as a Chinese church, as an English congregation, the Chinese church is how are we able to reach to non-Chinese people? Because, um, you know, most of our people, they work with non-Chinese people at their workplaces and that's their mission field. And I'm, you know, wondering, well, how can they, I mean, I'm sure they should share the gospel with them, but how can they invite them to church? Because not only are they not Christian, but they're also not Chinese. So they would just feel doubly out of place. And so that, I think, is more of the challenge. And I've had a couple of people who have, you know, one, one of our leaders led a friend of his to Christ, but, you know, he, he didn't want his friend, to, you know, he felt his friend might feel comfortable at our church. And so he started going with them from time to time to a, a church in this in, in city that was, you know, more multi-ethnic. You know, and our church doesn't have Chinese in the name. You know, we've have, we've, and then we've had several non-Chinese people come in and a few minutes in the service, you know, they see nothing but Asian people and they go, this is an Asian church, man, I've been snookered. <laughs> you know, and so they, unfortunately they don't come back. You know, we're very nice to them. You know, we, we welcome them in, but they just, you know, they, they don't come back because there's that still that, that, that difference that they feel is there. Very, I know that we've had these conversations in the past and something that we're, we're continuing to wrestle with just certainly how do we stay on mission as God's people uh, to reach uh, reach out to the lost, to, to share the gospel, to disciple those, and then, you know, connect them to a community where they do feel where they belong, uh, not just as a Christian, but uh, even even ethnically. And so that's something that I think we continue to kind of think through and wrestle with. And, you know, I, I think certainly there is obviously a place for English ministries and Chinese churches, right. but then how do we uh, look beyond who we are to fulfill the great commission, right. And, and disciple people. And that's something that, you know, I don't know that we have a lot of answers for, but that's something that we definitely want to keep praying about and thinking through. And I'm sure, you know, we, we can tackle that, that issue and that topic more in, in coming episodes. One thing I do want to ask you is that because you've been in ministry for, for so long in the Chinese church, what changes in your leadership uh, would you've made back then knowing what you know now? I think I would have changed my definition of success in ministry. And I've realized that, you know, God is looking for faithfulness, not necessarily success in our eyes or the world's eyes. And my initial idea of ministry success was seeing major growth and, be, and becoming big, large. That was, I think, you know, we saw a lot of the church growth movement and I was growing up, you know, the big churches, the mega churches. And, you know, those were the people that were admired. And those were the people who were seen as successful. So the more people in your church, the more successful you are. You know, I think that that easily feeds into pride and, and things like that. And oftentimes I would find myself thinking more about people that weren't at our church than the people that were at our church. And, you know, saying we got to grow, go out there and get people. But I wasn't really being as effective with the folks that God had entrusted to, to us as a church. And I think I also would have learned, I wish I had learned to really trust God more and allow him to work in his way and in his time, instead of me trying to feel, well, I have this vision from God, we got to do it this way. I remember our first church, the first church I was pastoring at, you know, our English congregation had just started. It was mainly youth. And I was thinking, how are we going to get adults to sustain this ministry, right? Uh, and also to give the youth role models because the youth are all going to go away to college. And then, you know, you just keep, you know, we need some sense of stability. And that's why you need adults. And, you know, I always felt that I was called to pastor a, a family congregation, you know, not just youth, but, you know, adults and, and youth. And so I was thinking, how can we make our church or how can we grow our English congregation to have more families and stuff like that? And I was told by another pastor who was a, a friend of mine uh, who was in the English ministry, in an in English ministry as well, that he says, you know, 
English congregations that are mainly youth, they never break out of that. You know, you're, you're, it, you're, you're pretty much bound to be youth until they, enough of them grow up and come back. And that's going to take a long time. And, you know, I was very discouraged by that, you know, and I, you know, we tried very hard to get adults, but it wasn't happening because, you know, when adults would come in, they look and say, this is a youth thing and they, they wouldn't come back. Right. Or they'd see, you know, it's, you know, because youth are leading the worship service. It's, this is very youthy, you know. So we tried very hard, but it just wasn't happening, you know. But again, I had to learn to be faithful who, with who God has entrusted to you. And then one year, though, we went from seven adults who were all working with youth to that one year we'd had 35 adults. And you know what we did to bring about this growth? I don't know. Nothing, really. I mean, what happened was one, one Sunday, about five or six adults visited at the same time. And so uh, they, they, they got along really well and they got along with us and they were thinking, hey, there's a lot of adults here. So, so they just kept coming <laughs> and, then, and then they brought their friends and then next thing you know, we had 35 adults and, and uh, you know, that, that continued to grow from there. And so by the time, you know, I think in about a couple more years, we had a 50, 50, you know, 50% were adults, 50% were youth in the congregation. It was cool to see that. Now, these days in our church, you know, we've lost a lot of people. You know, back in 2018, uh, I think, yeah, back in 2018, uh, about 20% of our congregation moved away due to jobs or school or to be with family. And most of them were pretty involved. We just, you know, how are we going to sustain everything? And then after that, the second wave hit, a uh, second wave of, of losses, because, you know, when people are thinking, you know, there's no one here anymore, or, you know, all my friends are gone, or nothing's going on here. So, so several people left because of that. And then COVID hits and, you know, I don't even know who's in the congregation anymore. It's hard to keep in touch with everybody. And in my younger years, you know, I would have thought, you know, I'm failing, you know, and, you know, I wouldn't definitely want, not want to share this with you guys because, you know, this doesn't make me feel that good. Uh, but, you know, these days, and I'm okay with it now, because instead of focusing on how many people we have, you know, I, God is telling me, focus on the people that, that I have entrusted to you and to your congregation and to be faithful in making disciples and, and trusting God to do what he wants when he wants, you know, because I look back at what happened back at my first church with that growth that, you know, I didn't really do much of, but, but God brought it about and God is saying, I'll do what I want to do in my way, in my time, uh, just be faithful to, to what I've called you to do. So that's, that's uh, something that I've held on to, which I knew that earlier on. Yeah, that's such a that's such a good word and a, a great piece of advice, not just for your past self, but I think for uh, for anybody in ministry that that the Lord really he's not desiring effectiveness. He's a, he's desiring faithfulness from us and and to really lean into that. I think one a, a question that I have for you is that just in that time as you were learning this, was it hard to balance maybe a, a leadership at the church or an elder board or something that that was looking at maybe metrics that were more tangible, right? Like the number of people or the amount of growth and how do you teach the people that you're leading or leading alongside, whether it's an elder board or the members of the church that like, this is the posture we're supposed to have to have a posture of faithfulness and to allow God to do what he wants to do. You know, what, what how was, how was it navigating that tension yeah, I, th I think, you know, a lot of times people are looking, you know, especially when you're the new pastor thinking, okay, you're going to grow this thing, you're going to solve all our problems. And uh, there's an immense amount of pressure. And, you know, I think a big part of any sort of leadership is, is managing expectations and saying, well, this is what we're focusing on. And I think, you know, midway through my, my time as a pastor, uh, my hero became Isaiah. Uh, my biblical hero was Isaiah and Jeremiah, you know, the, the weeping prophet <laughs> Isaiah. You know, we, we look at Isaiah 6, you know, when, when, when I, that throne room scene and Jesus, and God goes, who's going to go for us? And Isaiah goes, here am I, send me, you know, and that's our great missions call. And we all get inspired by that. Uh, but then I read a few verses later 
And it seems like God is calling Isaiah to fail. You know, you're going to talk to people. Not, no one's going to listen. You know, it's all this, you know, it's like, oh, man, I mean, this is not the inspiring. This is not the victory I was thinking when I signed up for this call, you know. But, but again, what, what I remember was God wants faithfulness, not so much this success. You know, I mean, obviously, you want people to listen. You want people to be converted. You want to see the church grow. But sometimes for a season or for a while, God might call you to just be faithful with something that, you weren't really looking at or you weren't really hoping for, but he still wants you to be faithful to that. And so I, I try to encourage us that metrics, you know, numbers are important. We have to see, you know, why are they leaving if they are leaving or, you know, what brings them in and how can we be effective in that? But the numbers game sometimes can get really into your psyche and, you know, you start to compromise uh, or it's easy to compromise because you just want to get the numbers. And, you know, I, I can easily struggle with that. But again, focusing on, you know, are we building our people to, to maturity and so that they are effective as witnessing? Yeah, I, I love that you point to Isaiah and Jeremiah. I think there's certainly seasons when any of us as pastors can relate and feel like, yes, I'm, I, I definitely resonate with what's going on with Isaiah or Jeremiah. You know, one of the things is you talked about faithfulness, it's, I find that it's sometimes rare for an English pastor to, to stay in ministry at a church for a long season, uh, as you have. How, how do you think leaders, EM pastors in your generation have, have led? How do you, have you seen EM pastors uh, in your generation remain faithful, uh, continue to do the work? Um, I think, again, for, for me, it always was this, this sense of calling. No, because I still feel very much called to the Chinese church, uh, even though, um, you know, there's always those ups and downs and discouragements. And so I think that sense of calling, uh, remembering back to that time when, you know, God had turned me around 180 degrees and giving me that burden for the Chinese church and college. That's something that always, I think for me and for many others, that that's what keeps them going is that, remember that sense of calling that God has given you. And I think, you know, I, as I've seen a lot of my 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 peers serve, you know, what, one thing that I've always noticed about them is that, you know, they've, they've had good relationships with, with especially the Chinese pastors and leaders, you know, we're talking about English ministries, you know, and sure there are challenges and differences, but I've always seen the ones that I've always admired. They always have really good relationships with the Chinese pastors, the Chinese leaders. And as a result, you know, they're still in the ministry. A lot of them are still at the same church that they started, you know, where I think the average pastors last you know, maybe a couple of years in churches these days, you know, these guys have been there for 10, 20 years. And my sense was for some that didn't last very long, a lot of times their relationships with the Chinese leaders uh, and pastors wasn't really prioritized. Or instead of working with the difference, they would fight against them or, and then they didn't last. But I think, you know, to stay in the English ministry, you just have to really be patient. And that's also something I've noticed for a lot of these guys, you know, change in the Chinese church can oftentimes be slow, you know, uh, especially when, you know, we want something now and it's, and it isn't done, you know, especially in this microwave age, you know, it, it can be really frustrating when things aren't done, but, but they hung in there. These guys I've talked to, they hung in there and they were patient in working with the Chinese leaders, you know, understanding their culture and working with it uh, instead of just saying, Hey, you got to change this. You know, I mean, I think a lot of churches, a lot of Chinese churches, a lot of times they're a lot more Chinese than they are Christian. And it's hard to change because that's so much inside them. And they've, a lot of them, they've been Christian not as long as they've been Chinese, right? And so that, that culture still is, is very much in their, in their blood. And so it's sometimes very hard to change that. And instead of just saying, you know, change right now, I think, you know, I saw a lot of these leaders 
understanding that culture, uh, working with it. And by doing that, they build a lot of credibility and trust. And that's something that I, I, I always wanted to emulate to make sure I have good relationships with the staff as best I can and with the Chinese leaders and get to know some of them. Because it's really easy, you know, hey, I'm, I'm an English ministry person, so I just focus on them. And, you know, we, we are very parallel and we never intersect. But I always felt that that it was important for us to still, since we're sharing a lot of the facilities, we share a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the youth in our congregation are from the Chinese congregation, you know, there, there's still a lot of partnership that we have to have. And if we can have that partnership and, and, and working together in good relationships with each other, I think that that helps make the ministry so much more effective. And I think that's what unity is, right? Being able to work and serve together, despite the big differences that we have. Yeah, you know what you just said there about the, the need to prioritize relationships mm-hmm. as a way to have longevity in your ministry field. You know, obviously, longevity is sometimes the Lord just moves us on, right? But but in a lot of situations, I think being established in a place for a longer season of time really gives you the time to see the Lord work in, in these different ways and to, to have the fruit come of it. And, and I've heard stories and even been in situations where I've had other pastors say, or either by their words or by their actions, really prioritize just doing ministry, right? Like we're just going to be about business in a sense mm-hmm. and not, and, and relationship can come secondary to that or come as a, as an afterthought to that. And, and I think that's, that's the time where I, I, I think, I wonder if we had not focused on that or if they had not focused on that and really looked to to build relationship as a church that it would have trickled down into the rest of the church, you know, and in, into different congregations and cross congregation and, and things like that. Um, so I, I really appreciate the wisdom that you just shared. One of my mantras has always been people, not tasks are the ministry. Easy to forget that sometimes because it can be very task oriented, but it's people. The tasks are for the people, you know, to, to build up people. So. You know, as somebody who has been in ministry for a few years now, and and you have seen and served alongside a lot of different people, um, and and probably even in the capacity you're in now, have have seen and interacted with people like Jalen and and others in the Chicago area. What are some of the things that encourage you about the next generation of English speaking pastors, whether they're they're EM pastors or they're youth pastors or in in other ministry roles? Yeah, I think the thing that that I'm really encouraged by is that they're still willing to stay with the Chinese church when it seems that the trend, like I said earlier, the trend these days is to go multi-ethnic, right? Or to, to get out of the, the, the ethnic bubble and just, you know, go multi-ethnic. And, we, and, and, and that's important too, I think, but I still see a very big need for the Chinese church. You know, if immigration trends go as projected, although that might change because of this coronavirus, but you know, before that, the immigration trends were still very strong in terms of uh, people coming from, from China and, and mainly China. And so we still need strong English ministry pastors to, to minister to the ABCs for the foreseeable future. And so I'm really encouraged when, I, when guys say they want to stay with the Chinese church or that they're hoping to serve in the Chinese church, because I, I am seeing less and less of that these days, it seems. You know, I mean, back when I was at seminary in Dallas, uh, there are at least four other ABCs who started when I did. And there are at least four or five others who are already there, um, you know, in, in, the, in the pipeline there. Uh, but, you know, we don't see that many out there these days. Uh, ABCs going into ministry. You know, our, you know, our church right now has been looking for a youth pastor or youth minister for the past year. We haven't gotten many applicants because um, not too many seems to be uh, in that field. But, you know, so when you hear about someone who, who wants to do that and is 
felt feels caught in that. That's always encouraging to know, hey, there's some more of us coming up. You know, there's there's a remnant. <laughs> Hoping that more will, will take that step because they're still very much needed. Yeah, Perry, as we start to wrap and wind down here, one of the questions we like to ask our guests each week is, what is one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's serving in a Chinese church? Appreciate the Chinese congregation and, and understand their culture. And I often hear a lot of complaints about, you know, the Chinese congregation, their leaders, their pastors, how they view the English ministry and stuff like that. And um, a lot of times that mistrust comes around because of the way we've, or the attitudes that the English ministry has shown, you know, that it's our way or the highway, or we demand our rights and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, you know, the Chinese culture, you know, about saving face and respecting elders. I mean, that's, that's, that's very much inborn in them. And we have to work with that and through that. I mean, I don't know if it's right or wrong necessarily, but it's just, that's the culture. And I think we have to respect that um, in working through some of the issues that we're facing and the differences that we have. Um, so appreciate them. You know, the Chinese churches that I've been a part of, you know, they've all made a lot of sacrifices and given a lot of support to the English congregations in establishing them, giving them the support and stuff like that. And so, so don't take them for granted. They care. I mean, the churches I've been to, they've really cared about the English ministry. And I've been so thankful for that. So just really appreciate them and, and strive to build relationships. I know that's hard because, you know, there's so many of them. Usually they're the, the largest, larger congregation. So getting to know them is challenging. You know, our church has a saying, you know, we're all in this together. You know, we really want to see the English and Chinese congregations as valuable partners instead of competition or adversaries because, you know, we, we have a lot to offer each other. And when we see that uh, and we have a greater desire to work together, greater things can be done because unity, I think, is the strongest witness of the church. I think Jesus said that in his priestly prayer, you know, for us to be one so the world will know that God has sent his son. And if we're fighting all the time, that just totally ruins our ability to have an impact in this world. But and so, you know, I've, I've always been thankful for the Chinese congregation. And I, that's why I still, you know, have stayed in the Chinese church, you know, despite the challenges. But I, I know that, that God can really use us as we serve and work together. So hang in there and appreciate your Chinese congregation brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's such a great piece of advice. And we really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and sharing with us from your experience, from just the, the different ministry spots that the Lord has brought you to. And we're really, really thankful because I think that there is a, a generation of pastors that, that are like me and Jalen's generation, or even the generation of pastors coming behind us that, that need to hear from the people who have run before them to learn and to grow as pastors. So we're really thankful that, that you're sharing that wisdom with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a good, good time. Thanks, Barry. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.